following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Hey there, friends. It's good to see all of you. I praise God for you. Those that are joining us digitally, thank you. Uh, Excited to study God's Word with you today. And I hope you came hungry or ready to work or whatever metaphor you want to use because we're about to do it. Uh, we got some verses to cover today and a bunch of work to do, so uh, I'm excited. We're going to go in Mark 1, continue our series. It's called Servant King, working through the book of Mark, verse by verse. We're going to look at verses 14 through 45. So everybody pray for those in the back who have to try to keep the verses up with me as I read. That's a real tough job. We've got to pay them more. Whatever it is, double it, whoever's in charge of that, okay? Amen. You guys don't like jokes or what? What's up? The humidity get to you? We okay? Everyone all right? You, you with me? We want to study the Bible today? Let's do it. We're in Mark 1. We're going to start in verse 14. So last week we saw the baptism of Jesus. We're going to keep going from there. Mark 1, 14. Here we go. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying... The time was fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. He said to them, let us go somewhere else to towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. 
Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas. They were coming to him from everywhere. Praise God for his word. I told you we were going to bite off something today. Now it's time to chew. You guys ready? So I know there's a lot going on here. We just covered a bunch of verses, but there's, there's a, a contrast here that I want to point out to you, and it's going to kind of anchor us and carry us through all of these verses. What I want us to look at, if you want a sermon title, it, it's a tale of two miracles. A tale of two miracles. The contrast we want to look at is Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law, and her reaction, and then Jesus healing the leper and his reaction. And that's going to open up for us what I think, even though there's a bunch of different things going on, we got the calling of the disciples, we got the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, we've got the healing of the leper, even though all this stuff is going on, there is a, there is a theme, there is a point, a main point that jumps out of this set of verses. Okay, so, uh, what we're look, so we look at Peter's mother-in-law, first of all, all right? It says, immediately they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and in verse 29, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her, raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her. And she waited on them. Here's, so in highlighting the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, there's a lot more that can be said about that, and that has been said about that. What I want to look at is not so much the, the details of how Jesus healed her and what all meaning we can look in that, though it's there. What I want us to look at is what she did as a result. When Jesus came and touched her, when Jesus came and removed the thing that was limiting her from doing it, what did she do immediately? She waited on him. Really what it, what it means is she served him. Immediately she's healed. She didn't, there, there seems to be no pause. There seems to be no debate about what she should or shouldn't do, what now should she do with the freedom she has that she's not lying in this bed of fever, you know, seems like it's pretty serious. Immediately, she goes to serving Jesus. And I'm not sure we're always as clear as we should be. That when Jesus comes and touches you, and whatever it is that he comes and does, whatever it is he comes and frees you from, whatever chains he takes off your hands and your feet, that immediately the next thing to do in reaction to that is to serve him. It's for that heart that came upon the prophet Isaiah when he said, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm hoping you're troubled a little bit right now, and, cause, and this is causing you to ask yourself the question, when, when Jesus came and took the shackles off of me, as he continues to keep them off of me, is this my reaction to immediately be about his business as opposed to my own? Knowing that very likely it's going to mean I've got to set down a bunch of my own dreams, visions, passions, whatever it is. I'm not saying all of them. Because some of them may line up with what Jesus wants you to do. But there's a whole bunch of, of us that's going to have to be laid down. And the only right reaction to being touched by the master and being freed in all the ways that he does it is to serve him. Seems pretty elementary, but this, this very elementary principle gets complicated as we walk it out, as, as, we, as the application unfurls, right? Amen. Okay, so that's what Peter's mother-in-law did. Immediately, she goes to serving Jesus. Whatever he needs, she's going to do. Okay? On the other hand, let's look at the leper. So that takes us to the end of the chapter. He, 
Uh, move, verse 41, moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So Jesus warns him, says don't tell anybody, right? Just go to the priest. Verse 45 says, but he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in the unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. Okay, so we have Peter's mother-in-law who immediately is about the business of, of whatever Jesus is doing, whatever he's asked her to do. And then we've got the leper who is healed in a miraculous way. And yet he is a, he goes forward Jesus told him specifically what to do, didn't he? Go to the priest, show them. And part of the issue here is, I don't know if this guy thought Jesus was just a guy that was a healer and got lucky and healed him, and so great, I want to tell more people about that. I don't know if he didn't know who he was dealing with here, that when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, Jesus had a very specific reason for doing that. Part of what he was doing was the fact that the priests had a ceremony they had to perform. If a le- it's recorded in the Old Testament. If a leper was healed, it didn't happen very often. Most of the time, lepers died. Everyone understands that, right? Do we know what leprosy is? A disease of the, a disease of the skin that, that basically, at a certain point, your, your, your uh, appendages start to fall off, your, your, your teeth fall out of your face. It's, it's a terrible degenerative disease that almost always led to death in this time. No cure, Okay. And so what this guy does, instead of going and showing himself to the priest, which would have signaled to them, which is what Jesus' point was, that Messiah is here, something different's happening. We got lepers popping up at the temple. We got lepers popping up at the synagogue saying, hey, I was healed. That's going to get the priest's attention, right? And Jesus wanted to do that, but what he didn't want to do was create such a fuss that it got in the way of his main mission. So this guy probably either selfishly just excited about his healing goes and does his own thing, not what the Lord asked him to do. Or he thinks somehow he knows better than Jesus and he's going to help him out by spreading his fame around. We see here throughout this section of Mark chapter 1, Jesus was not about spreading his fame just to everybody, right? That's pretty clear. And that brings us to, the, that brings us to this, this overall principle we can, we can see through here. Jesus' main purpose was to preach the kingdom. That's that's what he called his disciples for. And, and even the healing of the leper, it was pointing to the message that Jesus should be trusted, that the Messiah was here. There, what, did, what did Jesus come preaching? Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Let me show you this. I, I just made a big statement. Jesus came to preach and to preach the kingdom, to tell the good news that God's plan of redemption was, was at hand is what he said, right? Okay, so let's look at this. Because we have a problem in our day. We have a lot of confusion in our day about what the purpose, what Christ's main purpose is and what the purpose of his people is to be who follow him. And we need to get these things sorted or else we're going to live in a lot of confusion and spin our wheels a lot and not accomplish much of what the master's actually asking us to accomplish. Right? I don't want to be, I'd like to be more in Peter's mother-in-law camp when, when, when Jesus sets me free to be able to do something for him. I want to do what he wants me to do. I don't want to be like the leper running around doing a bunch of stuff, real excited about what I'm doing when all the time I'm actually end up working against the very purposes of God. Amen. Okay, good. Hallelujah. I'm going to show you a few things. 
going to look at verses 14 and 15. After John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let me, I'm going to look at verse 17. When he, calls, when he calls his disciples, what do he say? He says, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Did he say, Follow me, I'm going to make you healers? Is that what he said? Did he say, Follow me, I'm going to make you political activists? Ooh, now, oh, now I know what he's saying. Yes, we're going there. And why? Because I want to pick on some of you because I've seen what you're doing on social media? Not at all. This is just where the text took us. Hallelujah for expository preaching. That gets me totally out of the problem of you thinking I'm pointing at you. Glory. I can preach to the back of this wall up here and it's all right. Because it's going to hit everybody somewhere different, isn't it? He didn't call them to be political activists, did he? Didn't call them to be healers. What do you say? I'm going to make you fishers of men. And what does that mean? That means, that, 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 that means a lot of things, but it means primarily letting people know that they can be a part of this kingdom, going from being prisoners in darkness to free in light, from being dead in their sins to alive because they're following Christ and they've trusted him. Let me show you something else. Verse 38. Oh, it gets even better. No, let's, let's go to 36. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Boy, don't, isn't, that, isn't that the uh, reputation that most preachers would have today? That everyone would think if, if, some, if a bunch of the people that, that, that you got working with you in ministry ran up and said, Hey, preacher. Everybody's looking for you. I mean, the idea is I think most people, especially even outside of the household of faith, but but sometimes this reputation might be deserved. Everyone's looking for you. They'd be like, yes, finally. Right? Now everyone has seen seen my worth. Everyone is flocking to me. Uh, Everyone finally is going to hear all of the incredible uh, spiritual platitudes that I have to share. How does Jesus respond when the boys run up and say, Everyone is looking for you. What do you say? He said to them, let us go somewhere else. (laughs) Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby. Why? So that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. That is what I came for. For what? Let me hear you. To do what? To preach, right? To preach. He didn't come primarily to heal. He didn't come primarily to lift the marginalized up out of their position. Did he do those things? Absolutely he did. He had compassion on the leper, didn't he? But he had a purpose. He had a main purpose and he was not afraid to say it. My question for us today, friends, and hear me in this, is are we afraid to say what the main purpose is? Are we afraid to stand and say that the preaching of Christ's kingdom and his gospel is our main purpose. And do we actually believe that that's what leads us into being able to be effective in these other things? Because part of preaching the kingdom, I mean, over and over again, when Jesus talks about preaching the kingdom, he talks about preaching good news to the poor, preaching good news to the marginalized, those that have been held down. You understand that lepers, okay, there's a reason why this happened in this course of events, why God orchestrated it this way. He comes out, he's... he's he makes this bold statement about that he, he's come to preach. I've come to preach the gospel. That is my main 
purpose, and then a leper shows up. We have to understand that in that time, lepers were perhaps the most marginalized people group. If you contracted leprosy, you were considered unclean by Old Testament law. There were even rabbis in that day that in their writings, they would brag about the fact that they would throw rocks at lepers to keep them away from them. And, and what, you're like, oh, I don't get that. I don't understand. That's the, when you have, when you have an, a very moralistic framework for thinking of, about how God relates to people and what he wants us to do, the rabbis thought they were more holy than everyone else because they would take the extra effort to throw rocks at people to keep them away from them so that they were not near that unclean leprosy. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a, a pastor throwing rocks at you to keep you away because you were so marginalized by the society that everyone believed to be near you was to be made unclean like you? That's how bad it was if you were a leper, okay? And, and, but how does, but, and so when, when it's that bad and it's that, for that long and it becomes socially acceptable to be disgusted by this group of people, then Jesus' reaction becomes all the more shocking. Because first of all, it's not just what he did, it's what he felt. Verse 41, verse 40, the, the, the leper says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then, then what is Jesus' response? He's like, you gross, step back. No. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. It's very significant that Jesus touched him. It's very significant. You do know. Everyone here understands we're talking about Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Second member of the Trinity was there at the creation of the earth. He's the, the maker of mankind. He can, he can surely heal. He doesn't need, he didn't need to touch him to heal him, right? When Jairus' daughter was laying sick and, and, and about to die, you know, Jesus, Jesus stops to heal the woman with the issue of blood, and then they come with the news that the little girl died. What's Jesus say? No, no, it's okay. <laughs> Don't worry, she's just asleep. It'll be all right. Jesus didn't need to touch this guy, but he did. And it's instructive for us. If we're going to answer this call, if we're going to join with Peter, James, and John, the guys that Jesus called, we're going to follow after Jesus, we've got to learn from this. We've got to see the significance here. Jesus being moved in compassion, yes, he exerted that divine power he had to heal upon this man, and his leprosy was healed. But before that was even evident... There was, this, there was this thing that happened. Jesus touched him. He reached out and he touched him. This is a man who had probably, it, it seems as if his disease was far along. It had likely been years since he had felt the touch of another human. And Jesus, knowing this, and Jesus being full of love and compassion, he reached out and touched him. And that's, that's going to help instruct us as we frame out for ourselves an understanding of what it looks like to follow Jesus in our day and age. Because I'm... At, on one end of this, I'm, I'm making a, a bold claim that we need to not be ashamed about Jesus' primary purpose in coming and what he's called us to do primarily. And what I'm saying that is, is what? To preach the gospel. I'm not ashamed about that. I'm not going to hide that. I'm not going to let anybody make me feel like that shouldn't be the first and most, and most important thing we're doing. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because everything else that, that someone would, would, would try to pull you into to say, no, no, you need, you, need to, you need to focus more on this or you need to do this more. I'm not saying we don't do those things. Jesus did heal, right? Jesus did deal with, he touched, stopped and touched the leper, felt compassion on him. Jesus cared about the marginalized. Listen to everything Jesus said. It's so clear that he cared for those who were downtrodden and he calls us to do the same. 
But where does that come from? And how do we do that well? Because if, if, if this guy said, I'm willing, or he said, if you're willing, I can be cleansed, it's possible he was just thinking about his leprosy. But what do you think? Do you think Jesus, there was a little bit of deeper meaning tucked up in there when Jesus said, I am willing, be cleansed? You think Jesus was only thinking about this guy's leprosy? Or do you think the fact that leprosy throughout the scriptures represents our own sinfulness it was, was in there? And, and, and I'm going to say that it is, and I'm also going to drop this one on you. Ready for it? I hope, as you understand the cultural feeling towards those who had leprosy, how they were treated, how if, if, a, if someone with leprosy was, was walking down the street, first of all, they, they could be arrested for that because they're not supposed to be. But if someone was walking down the street, you definitely what nine out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 people were going to do, they're going to walk a wide circle around that guy. Okay? They're not going to come near him. They don't want to breathe the same air he's breathing because he's unclean in their mind. So Jesus touching him, not just saying you're healed, but reaching out and touching him, that's amazing. It's amazing that Jesus did that for, all of, for, for a whole myriad of reasons. I'm hoping you're amazed that Jesus touched him because he was a leper. But the other thing I'm hoping is that you're connecting this reality. If I'm amazed that Jesus touched the leper with all of the, the connotation that came around that, friend, I'm hoping you're also as equally amazed that he touched you. Because the level of fear and uncleanness that, that people associated with those folks as a result of that leprosy, this, the uncleanness and the deadness in us because of sin was so much more. If he would touch a leper, and that would amaze us, man, let us be amazed today that he would touch us. And then, and that's what I'm saying, and then when you are, so first of all, let's just say this. If you don't understand what I'm saying, or you're like, hmm, I don't know why that's amazing, either about the leper or about you, then come talk to me because it's real important because that, that's part of how us dealing with a lot of these issues that, that folks are, are, are they're, they're saying that the church isn't adequately bringing anything to some of the issues of our day. But here's my thing. If you understand that you're in the same spot because of sin that the leper was and you know that Jesus touching you and being willing to deal with you at all and to love you like he loves you is as amazing as it is, how do you go on living prejudice? How? How can you? To the degree that that revelation continues to purge your heart of that poison is the only way you can. We're not perfect. We're still in a process of sanctification. But th- what I'm saying is the gospel brings the answer to that. Once you really, the gospel is not moralism. The gospel is not, uh, let me take a tally of all the ways I think I'm better than everyone else and, and hope that that, you know, works when I get to the pearly gates. I mean, that, that's so common. That's the way people think. And of course they think that doesn't bring an answer to the issues of our day because it doesn't. But here's what does bring an answer to the issues of our day. Here's what, here's what does drive out uh, the possibility of us putting ourselves on a pedestal above other people. The fact that Jesus touched us. Or, or if you're here today and, and you're like, well, I hear what you're saying, I understand that, but I don't, I, I don't know that he has touched me yet. Well, friend, however wretched you think you are, or however wretched people have told you you are, let me tell you right now, Jesus is willing to touch you. He will reach out his hand and he will touch you. Are you, are, you, are you excited about that? Are you excited about the, the, the people that no one else has any hope for or that no one else feels like they can bring an answer to them that Jesus isn't scared? Amen. He's going to run up in there and touch everybody <laughs> and love them and have compassion on them. And if he's called us to follow him, 
then we got to follow him in keeping the main thing the main thing. But we also have to follow him in that main thing being the gospel, causing us to have all, all, all of those secondary areas of, of compassion and care and passion for the issues around us. If, we are tr- if we've truly been touched by the love of God, we will, not, it, 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 we will not be able to stand by and see people treated lesser than. We will not be able to watch people who are image bearers of God be sidelined or, or treated as if they aren't as important as we are. Or, and, and for sure we're not going to let that stuff live in our hearts. There's going to be a constant process of, of assessment and the power of the gospel changing, transforming, and doing that beautiful work that it does in us. The point that we're getting at today, the, the grand point is, we see, even, it, it'd be easy to miss it. You, you, see, you see Jesus saying, don't tell anybody, I want you to go tell the priests. Jesus specifically wanted the priests to know, Messiah's here. But what he, it doesn't seem like he was super thrilled about was the fact that everybody got Everybody got the news. And, and here's the thing. The problem, the problem with what happens here, this series of events in Mark 1, where Jesus ends up saying, the disciples run up, hey, everybody's looking for you. And he's like, let's leave. How do we get there? We get there because what we see unfolding here is, is a perennial problem with human nature. We oftentimes get much more excited about the gift than the giver. Most of these folks coming to Jesus It wasn't because they yet understood that he was Messiah. Why did Jesus want the priest to know that? Because if the priests know, they can start to, with some kind of authority, share with people what this is really about. Here's what the people knew. It wasn't about the gospel and the kingdom, and they weren't even hearing all that. That's why Jesus said, if they were, then Jesus would have went out when everyone was looking for him and kept doing the ministry, kept preaching there. But it was the message he was trying to get across... They were all missing it, and that's why he had to leave and go somewhere else. Because what they got excited about was the fact that demons were getting cast out and healings were happening. Now, let me balance this before I kick something. We, <laughs> I'm about to kick something. We believe in healing, okay? Here at Love City Church, we believe God is a healer. We believe we can pray and ask for God to heal, and we believe that he absolutely has the power to do that, and sometimes he will. Amen. Praise God. He will if that's what's best for us in that moment according to his glory and his will. Amen? Amen. God's a healer. Real thankful about it. Okay? But (laughs) what can happen is what happened here. The primary thing Jesus came to do, preach the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the long-awaited Messiah that was going to bring an answer to the, the deep sickness of sin is here, that it's upon you, it's at hand, you can reach out and you can touch it, that I'm here, the king is here, that, that, that message got lost when people were like, oh, I can get a healing? They're trying to press in, you know, the crowd's all around the door. It said the whole city was at the door of the house. That seems like a great opportunity if, if Jesus came to get, get this message out, but what I'm trying to tell you is many times the gifts that God gives get in the way of our passion for the giver. Jesus had to dip out and go somewhere else because everyone got all feverish and excited about what he could do. This happens in our own hearts. Can you, will you admit that? Will you admit that sometimes we get distracted by these other things and the main thing falls to the wayside? And, and there, is, there is a pressure right now 
for us to do that in a lot of different ways, not just personally in our, in our own minds and, and hearts, but in the way we're engaging with the world and the culture around us. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, <clears throat> but as a culture and as a nation, we got some problems. <laughs> you all right with that? Everyone know that's true? <laughs> some stuff going on, okay? And there's this, uh, there's this accusation that, that's, that's leveled and is being leveled that, um, you know, a lot of why we're at where we're at is because the church just hasn't, hasn't been doing what the church should be doing, right? And they'll reach back and think about Martin Luther King and what he did. And, and listen, uh, I'm so thankful for King and what he did, and I'm so thankful for the changes that came out of that. And there's a lot more changes that need to continue to happen. The work is not done uh, because sin is not fully vanquished yet. So let's just settle that in our minds that as long as, as long as we're here and the trumpet doesn't blow, we're going to keep on working to lift up marginalized people. We're going to have to keep uh, standing against oppression of others. That's always going to be here. You with me on that? You understand that? Because of sin. Even if, even if those that have this dream of a utopia someday get their wish and, and they, they're able to tear everything down, the problem is you're going to have to have some people that rebuild it. And those people are going to have their own sinful proclivities and you're just going to shift the power chair around and you're, you have, may have a different list of sins but we ain't getting heaven until heaven, right? Everyone get that? And part of what that's supposed to do is keep us grounded in the reality that we're not home yet. <laughs> Man, you gotta think about that. You, it would really be helpful if every single day, in a prominent way, I'm not trying to make a rhyme here, but it just happened on accident. It'd be really helpful if every single day the thought crossed your mind and you let it just marinate there for a second. This is not my home. It'll help you do some stuff different. Think about situations different. Not get pulled into traps. But the accusation that, that, that the church has not, the church has abdicated her responsibility to be out in front of some of these things. Sometimes that comes because people, there, are, there are people that cannot and will not. They refuse to see. Jesus' primary mission is bringing an answer to all of the things that we're struggling with as a people. Preaching the gospel and what the gospel does in people. I'm not saying that the answer to all of our problems is just that preachers stand in pulpits and only preach the gospel and that's the only thing the church does. But what I'm saying is when you start to understand and believe what the gospel does, when you start to see who Jesus is and what it means to follow him, if you're going to follow Jesus, then like him when you're encountered with someone who has been cast to the side by everybody else, who has been downtrodden by everybody else, what's your reaction? What was Jesus' reaction to the leper? It's real important that we remember this. It was compassion. And then he touched him. So if you are going to follow Jesus and the gospel is going to be the main thing and the church is going to be about this great precious jewel of the gospel that we've been entrusted with, then as we go on that mission, every time we encounter injustice, every time we encounter those who are oppressed and held down, every time we encounter someone who's hurting, because of Christ in us, because it's his gospel working in us, we are going to have compassion and we are going to stop and we are going to reach and we're going to touch. And that can look like a lot of different things. <laughs> but it has to come out of the correct order. It needs to flow from the right place. We can't think that we have a more calibrated sense of justice than God himself. Or that we can come up with a better plan for how to bring hope into this world than he has. We've got a hope plan. We've got a change plan. His name is Jesus. And the more people 
that come to really know him for who he is, the more people that come to realize how amazing it is that he would touch them, the more people we're going to have softened and healed of all, all of the wounds and hurts that cause them to hurt others. I am not going to apologize for the gospel being our main purpose. I'm not going to apologize for preaching the kingdom of Christ. I'm not going to uh, let somebody tell me that we have not been active in bringing answers to the brokenness of the world because we're sticking close to pointing people to Jesus and the hope that is found in him alone. That's, that's how we're going to do it. We, we are engaged in every single thing that's going on in this world right now by preaching the gospel and living it out and calling people to live it out. Because so, when I say preaching the gospel, <laughs> a huge part of preaching the gospel is continuing week after week to convince you that you're the leper. You understand that, right? That's hard. Because we, we have a bunch of counter messages all the time about you know, positive self-esteem and this and that and the other. And look, I'm, I'm not commenting on all that. I'm just saying there's, there's some harmful, harmful tendencies we have sometimes, not being willing to grab a hold of the reality that Jesus touching me is as amazing, is as, amazing as Jesus touching that leper because of the, the uncleanness and the dirtiness of sin in me. That it's as much of a miracle that Jesus would touch me and heal me of, of all that sin had wrought in my life as it is for him to touch a leper. It's amazing. And when you, the, more that, the more that washes over you, the more that soaks into your heart and mind, that God's grace is amazing, that you hear, amaz- you hear, the, you hear the song Amazing Grace and it touches you again. That it's, you don't just sing and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a hymn, I like that hymn, I like that tune. But when you hear the words amazing and grace put together, it strikes you in the heart. You're like, God, it is. God, it is. It is amazing that he would fool with me at all. How do you go out, how do you go out here and be hateful when that's your position, when that's your posture? How do you go out here and not care about those who are downtrodden when that's your place? I praise God for his gospel. The bad news of the gospel is each one of us are in as bad a shape as the leper, spiritually. The good news is Jesus came to touch every single one of us who would reach out to him in faith. And so if that's you today and you have and you've said, you've reached out to the master and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then, then, then today, be as overcome with gratitude and passion for the fact that he reached back and touched you as you ever have and continue to grow in that. If you're, if you're here today or you're listening and watching this digitally and you're somebody that would say, I, yeah, I'm realizing I'm unclean, but I haven't reached yet. Friend, today can be the day. And you can know that with assurance, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, you can, you can acknowledge that you're not clean and ask him to do it, and he will. He'll have compassion on you. It doesn't matter how many other people have rejected you. It doesn't matter how many other people have tried to put you in a, in a box of labels. It doesn't matter. Jesus is a whole different kind of situation. He does things a whole different way. And that's why when he says, come and follow me, people drop their stuff and do it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Will you pray with me? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for uh, this passage of scripture. Thank you, God, that 
Though there's a lot going on here. Jesus, you're casting out demons. You're, you're calling fishermen to follow you. You're healing Peter's mother-in-law. You're, you're healing a man riddled with leprosy. There is, there is still a theme. There's a theme that needs to seat itself in our hearts and minds. It's that you came to preach a message. <laughs> and those that you've called to follow you, you've called to also preach and live that message. I know for some of us, Lord, we we read these words in Mark and we hear Jesus say, come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men and we we envy the disciples. We we struggle with the reality that we're we're not in that situation where you're gonna walk by us and say, come and follow me. But Lord, help us to realize that that our call is, is no less real because as you left those disciples and ascended into heaven, you reiterated your point. Because sometimes we're slow to get it. But you told him again, this is what I want you to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I commanded. And then you promised you'd be with us as we do it. So I thank you, God, that you've given us a mission. You've given us a purpose that we don't have to to keep uh, scratching out every five or ten years and and revamping our vision or or re-coming up with what our mission statement is. Lord, you gave it to us. You have told us. And this mission will stand the test of time. And it will always be relevant. And it will answer all of the ills and the evils that sin has brought into this world. Help us to see that and believe that. God, I'm asking you to help people that are hearing this, that are hearing what I'm saying. Those that, some are inclined to, to, to disagree and be suspicious just because of hurts in their life. Some are inclined to agree. There's people listening to me right now that if I say it, they're more inclined to agree with it. But God, I'm asking you to push beyond that. Don't let them just settle there. And because I said it, God, I'm asking you to take in their, the, the eye of their heart and in their minds and begin to connect the dots for them so that they don't just, they don't just say as, as a statement of fact, oh, the gospel answers all the evils in the world, but God, show them, show each of us, show me, continue to reveal to us how it is your message and your kingdom and Lord Jesus, your character, how it brings an answer to these things, every one of them. Help us grow in confidence in keeping the main thing the main thing and in learning how that means that we, we move forward with, with compassion about every other thing. <laughs> God, please teach us, continue to train us. Have your way with us. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.com dot org